Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today I have Aram Gregorian here and we, I would say we are blossoming Instagram friends. (laughs) We just, we just recently found one another and, um, I I found, in all all fairness, I found you. Oh, did you did because you, you, that's, that's true. Okay, I can't. Somebody, somebody I know turned me on to your account says that this is a girl who's doing a lot of stuff with training that needs to be seen, and it's so it's funny because my audience now knows how much of an asshole I am, so they'll they'll be very careful about who they send my way because I'll just tear people apart. And the second I saw your content, I'm like, okay, this is good. This needs to be shared. This needs to be screamed from rooftops. I'm following Lindsay immediately, and as soon and I think I DM'd you. Pass the test. I DM'd you within seconds and I'm like, we have to do a live, we have to do a podcast because every time there's good information, especially that speaks towards stuff like training specificity, intensity, especially if it's fe- if it's from a female, like it's hard. Like my audience is 80% female, but here I am as a 38-year-old male talking to women. It's le- It's much more comfortable to receive that message from you than it is from me. I I would agree because they probably are looking at you thinking like, well, like you're a man, so you don't know. And it's like, well, a lot of the same principles apply. It is the principles and yes. they, they, whether it's coming from me or you, the principles need to be taught. Yes. But what, what I loved about your account though, is I feel like you really speak to a lot of the mental work that needs to be done in fitness. And everybody always messages me and they're like, they want to know the the perfect, you know, to the gram, the perfect amount of protein to get their results, right? Or like to, I mean, the gram fat or, or whatever it may be, these very, very specifics. And it's like, look, you're not even doing the basics and your mind isn't even there yet, right? So well, I don't you, know. Do you see that a lot? I just brought this up. Do you know who Lyle McDonald is? No. Uh, so he's a researcher. He's kind of a, he's, he's like a nerd Ferguson. Like he just kind of sits behind a, a piece of paper and a, and a book all day long. But he, if you saw him, you'd be like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. He literally looks like, like a, a Harvard professor, but he's, 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 he's huge in the bodybuilding space talking about stuff like insulin resistance and nutrient uptake and muscle protein synthesis and all this really complex stuff. But then when you ask him questions, he's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And the reality is mm-hmm. the nuance doesn't matter for 98% of the population because 98% of the population doesn't fall into a very specific category of it matters to the gram, how much you're eating. It matters to the gram, how much protein you're taking. And it matters to the gram, how many carbs you have to take, because most people aren't consistent enough for that to make a difference. Yes. So true. So true. So I'm just going to jump right in with, I, I love this question. I'm excited to ask you. So what are some of the, what are some of the problems that you see in the fitness Instagram space? Uh, we only have an hour. What are your, what are your, (laughs) yeah. What are your favorite, your favorite problems Uh, that you just love venting about? Like I'm giving you the space to do it. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head with the first one is the fact that, that most average people are arguing about nuance or worried about nuance. Um, 
like, don't talk to me about nuance until you've done this for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, am I allowed to swear? My audience usually likes cleaner. Okay. So, I'll, so I'll, I'll, choose I'll, cleaner. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll, keep, I'll keep my, uh, I'll keep my, I had to ask because uh, if you ever listen to my podcast, good. if you ever listen to my podcast that I have with my buddy Jimmy, which we'll have you on there too, um, put your earmuffs on, folks. So, you know, I've been lifting weights and eating a certain way for 23 years. Um, There's still stuff that I'm perfecting to this day. I am a case of nuance. You were a case of nuance. Um, Out of the 83 people I work with today, I may have three people that I apply nuance to. Mm -hmm. Until you're at a point in in your evolution as a training, as somebody who trains and somebody who eats a certain way, a lot of these things that you're hearing on Instagram about insulin resistance and thyroid problems and gut microbiota and all this other crap that you hear, while it can be helpful, you're stepping over $100 bills to pick up pennies. Like, don't talk to me about supplements until you're eating real food. Don't talk to me about hit classes until you've understood what a push-up's supposed to feel like. You know, don't talk to me about the grams of carbohydrates that you're supposed to be eating or grams of protein you're supposed to be eating until you're actually prepping meals in your own kitchen versus trying to go out to eat every day. So all of this nuance, while it can be very helpful for a very upper echelon population of people that's very consistent and very specific, most average folks don't fall into that category. So does that mean I'm going to treat nuance disrespectfully and say that it doesn't apply whatsoever? No, I think some precision is necessary. But by and large, I mean, we don't have an obesity problem in this country because people are, are worried about, you know, end range failure reps or grams of carbs. We have an obesity problem because people just don't think about this stuff whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it really is. I actually just had a nutritionist and researcher on a few weeks ago, and he was saying, I haven't published that episode yet, but he was saying the same exact thing is we're obsessing about carbs, but what's fascinating is the more and more and more we obsess about carbs and label them as bad. It's interesting because you would think that with awareness, that would drive the insulin resistance issue downward. And it's not because it's not the carbs, it's the overeating. And the insulin sure. resistance isn't showing up without the overeating. No, so we're I obsessing mean, and yeah. I, you don't have an insulin resistance problem because of bread or because of pasta, or because of rice, or because of cooks. Or a Pop-Tart. Chips, I or have Pop-Tarts. to include Pop-Tart. I, uh, it's funny because a lot of a lot of my bodybuilding friends love Pop-Tarts. I, te- I typically, I, I'm a toast, I'm a toaster strudel guy. Oh my goodness. Okay. That, I, they're, they're so close. They're so close. So we can if, still be friends. We're like cousin <laughs> friends with that one. Like that's come, like a cousin. If, uh, if Pop-Tarts came with the icing packet on top that I was able to use. <laughs> You'd be down? I'd be fine with them. But I, I prefer the toaster strudels because I have the option to be able to drown my stuff in icing. So it makes me feel like I'm at a, <laughs> I like that. I'm at a Cinnabon. But no, I, I, I agree. I think there's and, – and you see this all the time. And I'll throw some names out there and I don't really care because I, I'll, I'm not afraid of offending anybody. But you got guys like, uh, like Paul Carter and Chris Beardsley who do a lot of research on hypertrophy. And then Paul and this guy named Chester Soko, who are both researchers in their field, are literally arguing about muscle fibers on, on their Instagram accounts back and forth. You know, Cassim Hansen, N1 Education, him and Paul are arguing about the glute dominance of a, of a hip thrust. Like that information, while interesting to you and I, 
yeah. may be practical to you and I does not matter to 99% of people out there. So when they get caught up mm-hmm. in this stuff, in this minutia, they start to wonder and, and, it, and, it, and it paralyzes them to do anything. So they're, they're so worried about yes. making the wrong decision that they don't make any decision whatsoever. And this happens in fitness. It happens in nutrition. It happens in business. Um, how many coaches do you know who were afraid to start their coaching practices because they don't have systems in place or, you know, they don't think they know enough or they have this like uh, they have this kind of uh, imposter syndrome where they're afraid to start their business because, well, what if I what if I don't know everything? And the reality is, is you don't know everything and you're not going to know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and embrace and a, that. Yeah. Who cares? Like learn. If you don't know everything, learn as you go. Practice with people. Practice on yourself. Get those reps in underneath your belt. Experience is your best teacher by far in any case, in any place, in any context. Mm-hmm. So this idea that you're sitting there just getting information poured on you from a fire host on Instagram, be selective about who you follow. Um, and that's why I share so much content from other people, because I'm trying to point my viewers into the directions that I think they should be going to, as opposed to more fit tees, more booty bottles, more shakes, more problems. Go to stuff that's real. Go to stuff that's applicable. Go to stuff that's actually going to help you get off your ass and do something, as opposed to it's got to be that it's got to be the the thyroid issue that I heard from from somebody else. That's, that's got to be my problem. That's it. That's why I'm not losing any weight. It's not the fact that I'm having 14 margaritas every weekend and not logging an ounce of them. It's the thyroid. Yeah, that is a frustrating one for me. Um, I was two, two things. This just makes me think of two things. Um, one, yesterday I was at a like women's, what is it called? Bunko? I've never played that before in my life. It is such an old grandma game, but I secretly love it because I'm like an old grandma inside. <laughs> but anyways, it's this group of women and we go from table to table and we're having these discussions as we're playing. It was a lot of fun. But anyways, um, one of the women was uh, she brought up the fact that because there's food on each table, she's like, oh, I'm supposed to be fasting and I just keep eating. And they all kind of laughed about the fact that she couldn't inter- do this um, intermittent fasting. And then later on, towards the end of the night, me and her found ourselves in a we found ourselves in a conversation, and she found out what I did. And so she's like, "Oh, I just can't lose weight. I just can't do it." And I now I don't care whether somebody can follow an intermittent fasting. I don't care if they can follow it or not. I wasn't trying to judge her, but the thought came to my mind wait, is it true that she's like my body, everybody wants to blame their body. My body just doesn't lose weight. It's just so much harder for me. (laughs) I said, it may be harder for you, but it's not harder for your body. It's harder for your mind. Like you were just barely laughing about how you're not following your plan, but now you're telling me that the plan doesn't yield results. Why doesn't the plan yield results? It's not because of your thyroid. It's not because of, it, it comes back to you were just overeating on the candy that was in front of you. And I don't judge you for it. I was enjoying it too. It was great. But I think that we just need to become better at being self-aware and it's so easy to fall into self-deception. Yeah. Well, we live in a time where it's okay, right? It's, 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 it's okay to have a condition and it's okay to have, to be a victim to your condition, right? I'm a binge eater. I'm an overeater. I have anorexia. I have bulimia. I have anxiety. I have depression. I have, I have, I have, I have, as opposed to 
I suffer from this condition, but I also have a way out of this problem. There are tools in place for me. There are coping mechanisms I can learn. There's help I can receive. So instead of like walking up to the wall and like sitting down in front of it, figure out ways to chisel through it, figure out ways to climb over it, get around it, dig underneath it, do whatever you can. You know, I'm a proponent of, of believing that if you have a problem, unless it's terminal and you're going to die from it, there's probably a way out of it. There's probably a way to fix it. There's probably a way to at least manage it. And as, and when it comes to all these varying mental conditions, which we all have heard about or have suffered from ourselves, you know, I've been in deep, dark places as an individual. I'm not, I don't find myself to be any stronger or better than anybody else is, but I just decided not to be victimized by it anymore. I decided that I could either sit in this despair and wallow in it, or I could pay, go pay 200 bucks an hour and go work with a therapist and figure this stuff out. And I did. And was it tough for me financially? Yeah. Was it tough for me mentally? Absolutely. Because a lot of stuff starts to bubble up to the surface that you don't want to admit. And the person that I worked with, luckily, was not somebody who just kept asking me, well, how does it make you feel? How does it make you feel? They, they were asking me, why do you keep doing the same stuff over and over again, expecting a different result? You're not doing the work that you promised me you would do. I asked you last week to do X, Y, Z. And what did you show up to this meeting with? Nothing. So instead of her coddling me and, and telling, me, telling me that it's okay because your condition is making you do this stuff, she's saying, yeah, your condition is getting exacerbated by the fact that you don't want to act. Simple as that. So how do you get over that? How do you get the whole over the whole, I don't want to act? Like You don't get over it. You just act and then hope it gets better, right? I mean, the fact is, is you, it's reps. And like anything else in this life, you have to practice it. There's going to be days where you show up and it sucks. And there's going to be days where you try and it's going to be really hard. And there's going to be days where you don't do it. And you're just kind of standing there wondering why I didn't do it that day. Well, I had a bad day. You know, it's not always going to be easy. And there's not always going to be progress. And there's not always going to be noticeable or feelable progress. Some days you're going to be like, I'm doing all this work and nothing positive is happening. So what's the alternative? Do you just stop doing the work? Do you just stop trying? Do you stop practicing? Do you give up on yourself and the promises that you made to yourself and the people and becoming a better person for the people around you that rely on you? I mean, if you have time left on this earth, why not use it productively? Like there's enough distractions out there in this world now that are in the form of TV or social media or nasty foods or booze or drugs or sex or all these other things that are around us. Yeah, we can indulge, indulge in all that stuff. And that stuff can cloud our judgment and make us feel really, really warm and fuzzy inside for 30 seconds. But what happens after when reality strikes and life comes back to where it is? And then what? Here you are as somebody who's been used to numbing and not acting and not wanting to try and being okay with just standing still as opposed to other people who are like, eh, I don't know how much time I have left, but I'm going to use it wisely. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's I'm before we started recording, we were talking about like, I, I feel like you have done a lot of heart and head work and it comes out in the way you speak on Instagram, the messages. And, and I absolutely love that because there is such parallel to everything in life. When you've gone through the mental, emotional work, like the work that people always talk about, it really does transition to fitness because it's all work. Yeah. It's all the it's, work. It's effort. All it really is, I mean, like people always say like half of it is showing up, right? How many times have you heard that as we were growing up? Yeah. Like half of life is just showing up. Uh, yeah. Showing up to me means going through the motions, right? Like 
you, you, I'm sure you've trained people in person in your career, right? In person, personal training. Mm-hmm. How many yeah. people treated you as a hair appointment, right? They're Lindsay, I'm going to be five minutes late and then they're leaving 10 minutes early and they're running in and they're chatting to you about game of Thrones episodes or their husband or how much crap they got going on in their plate. And, 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 and before you know it, they're just going through the motions and they're using you as a hair appointment. And then they leave. They haven't understood what they were doing. They haven't understood why they were there. You know, did they sweat a little bit? Yeah. Were they uncomfortable? Maybe. Did their muscles burn? Possibly. But were, did they actually get anything out of that hour of training? Probably not. And how much do we do that in other facets of our life? How often are we eating mindlessly, training mindlessly, watching TV mindlessly, snacking mindlessly, making decisions that have ap- massive implications on our life but aren't thinking about why as opposed to like spending a second just stop stop yourself for five ten seconds and just look at what you're about to do or say or eat or accomplish and ask yourself why why am i doing this why is this making me feel a certain type you start to connect to some of these actions and they'll actually start to become relevant to you and you'll start to figure out why you're doing these things and there's now there's an intention and without that intention i, I just I, I don't see the purpose of it uh, I, I think that we have to eat with intention. We have to train with intention. We work with intention. We do things with intention. And before you know it, now there's fulfillment attached to that. You brought up two things. Um, the, uh, the intention, I feel like you drove that home really well. But the pause, people don't think about this. And it is so unbelievably powerful. And it's actually something that with some of my clients. Do you know, it's funny. I've, I've gone through therapy. I've gone through therapy for something that was totally and completely unrelated to fitness. And the same exact principles that have helped me, I have taken as a coach and it has made me a better coach. The pause is something that has helped my clients more with, like as they've suffered from not being compliant with food, most people, and uh, they'll go into the gym and they can work hard for that hour. Sure. I mean, sometimes we go through the motions. I go through the motions sometimes and I have to remind myself. But for the most part, it's like, okay, I'm going to get in and I'm going to kill it. And then it's the nutrition that ends up killing the plan. And teaching somebody the pause, it's actually really powerful. Have Have you had a lot of experience with that? I mean, you brought it up. I, I, I use it when I can, because I think at the end of the day, it, it sounds like one of those foofy, uh, you know, <laughs> spiritual, well, what about all this inner work that I have to do? And like speaking to my inner child that I wasn't held enough as a kid, but there's, re- there's, there's purpose to it. There, you know, the stuff is real. Um, connecting to your inner child is real. Like understanding past trauma is real and it's effective. And I think when you start to become, cognizant of it and aware of it, you can start to use it to your benefit. And those little tactics like, okay, if you're a binge eater, cool. So am I, I live in a weed legal state. And when I smoke pot, I get the munchies. And when I have the munchies and I have three hours of time before bed, I can eat a lot of things in my cupboard that I don't need to eat. (laughs) So instead of me standing in front of the peanut butter jar, endlessly consuming it without logging an ounce of it, maybe I can ask myself the question of, Am I eating because I'm stoned or am I eating because I'm hungry or am I eating because I'm sad? Am I eating because I don't care about the implications afterwards? So just by spending a couple seconds evaluating why I'm about to do what I'm about to do, 
I'm an adult. If I want to eat the peanut butter and not feel well the next day because I consumed an extra 975 calories before bed, that's my decision. But the only person that can be upset about that is me. And the only person that I can blame for that decision is me. So it's not that my plan isn't working. It's not that the peanut butter is at fault. I had to physically do that. I had to physically put the spoon in the jar and eat it unconsciously, essentially. And I think a lot of people don't want to spend that time realizing that. It's, mm-hmm. well, I binged. I'm a binge eater. And boom, that label comes in hard. And then they can strap that thing across their forehead. And that's the reason why they're not getting to where they want to go. As opposed to, if I just spent five to 10 seconds understanding that I'm not eating, I'm eating this stuff because I'm hungry and I'm hungry because I didn't plan and I didn't plan because I don't think about it enough. Now you start to back yourself into a solution to your problem. And why not spend that valuable amount of time, which took you 10 seconds to realize, okay, well, if today I was hungry and I wanted to eat everything in the cupboards at nine o'clock at night when the kids went to sleep, maybe tomorrow I could, maybe today I could spend another 20 minutes before I go to bed plan my meals out for tomorrow because I already have my schedule because things aren't just going to pop up. And if they do pop up, I'll know how to reroute because I have stuff packed and ready to go and I can get through my day knowing that I'm in control and I can manage it better. That, that, uh, that requires effort though. Sure. Requires effort of thought. But everything does. Showing up to work requires effort. Loving your spouse requires effort. Being a good parent requires effort. Being a good employee requires effort. Being good at anything in this life requires effort. If you just want to be a bystander, go right ahead. There's 7.8 billion people in the world and most of them are fluff. I, and I, I'm one of these people that doesn't respect the human condition because I just I, I think a lot of people on this earth are here to consume, get it over with, and then just they're, they're, they're spectators. Um, there's very few leaders, right? And the leader, that's why there's so few rich people. That's why there's so few fit people. That's why there's so few happy people. It's very easy to be upset and fat and poor. That's not hard. It's very hard to be fit and happy and wealthy and do this while actually being able to give back and help other people. So if you want to be one of those five, one percenters, whatever they are, however many of them is left, you have to do things that average people are not willing to do. And it doesn't have to be this complete breakdown of your lifestyle. And I'm going to do all of it all at once. All right. I'm going to do it today. I'm going to stop drinking booze and put down the Snickers bar. And I'm going to go to the gym and learn how to work out. And I'm going to restrict food. I'm going to do this all perfectly for the next X amount of months or weeks or days or whatever it is. No, just start with what you suck at the most. What is the one thing that you know you're not very good at? I'm a very bad planner. Okay, cool. Work on planning a little bit better. I'm a really bad meal prepper. Great. Start to meal prep food a little bit more. Work on one thing that you suck at every once in a while and watch it start to get a little bit better. Oh, that's really good. And even if it's just 1% better. Yeah. Right? Just that builds. That builds. Sure. I mean, if um, you're, what's the average lifespan in America? 88, I think it is now for a female. Who I can't are most remember, of, but the, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think the lifespan is, let's, let's go, let's say it's 85. Who cares? Let's say it's 80. Mm-hmm. What are your, my demographic is anywhere between 30 years old and 60 years old female. So if you're on the upper end of that range, right, let's say you're a 50 year old female, that means that you have 30 years left, 30. How do you want to spend that time, right? Your kids are probably out of the house. You're on the tail end of your career. You got plenty, you got, you got more time now than you ever did. Mm-hmm. Go use it. 
go use it. Go to the, yeah. learn something new. Go, go hire a trainer. You know, you have a couple bucks laying around or instead of spending it on stuff that, you know, you don't need anymore. You don't need the, the shoes. You don't need the home goods run. You don't need to go to Target and spend another 500 bucks on knickknacks that you don't care about. Go spend that money on a well, train. Well, But again, priorities, no, that is right? So true. Right? It's like, so I, I, true. I was at Home Goods on what was it Saturday? I was going. I was going to stock up on toys for the dog because I wanted to keep her busy. The amount <laughs> of people in that line buying crap, right, and then walking back to their beat up, you know, barely running car. You realize they're probably in some type of financial distress, right? Or you know, I'm, I'm making blanket statements, but. You're over. You're spending two hundred dollars on crap you don't need. Two hundred dollars will buy you a decent coach. Two hundred dollars will buy you some personal okay. training sessions. Um, you know, and, and this idea that I don't have time, I don't have money, it's too expensive, I'm too tired, I don't have. It, stop. Just stop. You can. Yes, it's of course. Deception. We're all tired. We're all overworked. We're all underpaid. We're all underappreciated. Like, but there's, mm-hmm. but some people somehow make it work. So if they can do it, are they that much better than you are? Or do they just try a little bit harder than you do? I love that. I love how you said, just bringing it back to consumers. We, we are like, we live in this culture of consumption, 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 but notice the people around you that are living the amazing lives. They're not consumers. They are the creators, yeah, They produce, but they create, yes, they create their own happiness. Yep. They create positive stories in their heads. They create, they don't come at it from a place of scarcity of, I don't have time. I don't have money. I don't have this. It's like, no, I will create the time yeah. and create the money because I want to create the life that I want. Like you said, we're living a lot longer than, you know, my grandparents and great grandparents, but our quality of life is diminishing. Oh, I don't, I don't know at an alarming rate. And it's sad. I know my parents are in their, in their mid to late seventies. They live in Florida. They moved from Connecticut to Florida because my brother and I finally convinced them that they were making a poor financial decision by being underwater on their mortgage. So we're like, Hey, you don't need to live in Connecticut and be bankrupt. Go move to Florida, go live your life at the back half of your life now and, and, and get some financial freedom back. And now they have a bunch of money saved up. They go on vacations they live in an over seven, over 55 community with seven pools and gyms and they're active and they're loving life. And it's because they finally awesome. were willing to go and do something that they were afraid to do, which is change, you know, and you're asking a 70 something year old to change their life is not easy. So it's only going to get harder folks. If you're listening to this and you're looking for a reason to change, just understand that every day that passes, it's going to be that much harder to make the change that you've been telling yourself you're going to make. And if you convince yourself that it's hard, it will be hard. It will be inse- it will be inherently harder tomorrow and the next day and the next day because you're going to keep being locked into your current habit system. And you're going to keep remembering why you didn't do that thing. And you're going to keep getting disappointed of why you didn't act or didn't do that or didn't talk or didn't invest in yourself. Just what's the worst that's going to happen? And always ask yourself that question. If I do this thing now, what is the worst that's going to happen? You know, if you're a woman who's struggling to lose weight and you're eating a thousand calories and spending 45 minutes on a Stairmaster every single day and not lifting any weights and going to 30 Orange Theory classes a week, what's the worst that's going to happen if you try to bump your calories up? You might put on a couple pounds. Who cares? You're already fat, right? You're already unhappy in your own skin. So you put on a couple extra pounds, but now you have a little bit more caloric freedom. 
Now you can actually enjoy some of the food that you're, you're so afraid to eat. Maybe you can dial back your exercise a little bit because it's obviously not working for you anymore. And, and starting to reframe and rethink some of these things and these patterns that you're in all the time that keep, you just keep trying to layer in more and more stuff when that stuff isn't doing anything for you. I love that because so many women, and I'm sure you get this as well, so many women come to me in this state of urgency, but they come to me because what they're doing is not working, but they are so scared to change what they're doing. Yep. And, and I love that question. Like, like <laughs> you want change, but you're afraid to change. It, that sounds crazy. That is crazy. It's the definition of it's, yeah, uh, exactly. and I, and I listen, comfort is easy. Uh, it's, you know, it's nice to be mm -hmm. comfortable. There's a reason why we call them comfort foods and comfort blankets because they're comfortable. Mm -hmm. They wrap us up. Mm -hmm. They make us feel safe. They're familiar. Um, they're not scary. We know it's the devil, you know, right? The devil, you know, is the one that you'll always keep coming back to because it's familiar. You don't mind it. Like you despair is easy. Feeling like crap is easy. Being unhappy in your own skin is what you're used to. You've been doing that for 20 years. Um, but what happens, you know, progress happens on the other side of discomfort. It's the only way it's going to work. Like you have to face those, those demons and have to face those discomforts to be able to actually get yourself out of your own way and trust that if you keep doing things a little bit differently than you were doing them before, especially if you have guidance, right? I'm, and I'm, I, I don't say this mm -hmm. from the context of like, just go and figure it out yourself because clearly it hasn't been working. But if you're, if you're on Instagram and you're looking at people like you and I, and you finally gather up the courage to go spend that 500 bucks and go fi finally hire that coach. Don't fight the coach who's trying to help you. Like our businesses are not built off of failure. They're built off of success. They're built off of mm. us wanting the best for you. So if we're telling you to do something, it's because it's coming from a place of knowledge, practical expertise, and years of experience. So if it's not working in the first, like I had a woman the other day, she it was, it's a funny story. And I'm sure this happens all the time. I wake up to an email because when, when somebody cancels their subscription with me, I get an email alert. So I wake up, it's, you know, 4.30 in the morning. And I wake up and the first thing I do, of course, is look at my phone because that's what my job is. And I see so-and-so canceled their subscription and I immediately text her. I said, hey, wanted to go? No response. A couple hours go by and she goes, you know, I'm not happy in my skin. I'm not happy in my clothes and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, cool. All right. I get it. Let's, uh, let's schedule a call. Let's talk about it. But before we do, let's remember these things. I just start writing bullet points. Bullet point number one, you're five and a half weeks in. Bullet point number two, you would, you're averaging 1,300 calories a day at 166 pound frame. Bullet point number three, your food quality is average at best. Bullet point number four, you're just starting to learn how to progressively overload your weights and you're working out at home, rushed and not focusing. Bullet point number five, you're complaining about digestive issues because you refuse to fix your food quality because you don't want to make time for prep. And bullet point number six, when we first started, you told me that the scale was not your number one priority. So all of those things, while they may sound like I'm attacking you, right? Some people may perceive that as, oh my God, here you are. You're trying to make me feel bad about myself. No, I'm pointing out truth that you don't want to see. How do you expect to change your entire body that you've accumulated 35 pounds on over the last eight years in five and a half weeks? And why did you hire a coach? You should have hired a magician because that's what you were expecting. So if you want a magician, 
keep the money. I don't want it. I don't need it. It's not going to save me, my dog, or my family. Go off on your own and keep doing what you're doing. But if you want to actually put faith and trust into a system and into a person who cares about you more than clearly you do, stay with me and give it some time. She resigned, sent me a long text message today thanking me for talking her off the ledge. And I said, great, I don't need you to thank me. I need you to trust me. And next time you have one of these episodes, instead of panicking and canceling and doing something crazy, text me and let's have a conversation about it. Let's schedule some time on the phone and get you to understand what it is that you're troubled by. And maybe we can find a solution to it. I feel like you were doing exactly what your therapist did with you, you the, that she was challenging you and coaches have to challenge as yep. well. I, I tell people all the time, I, I want to be a cheerleader, but the problem is cheerleaders don't do much. They sit on the side they're, yay, great job. Like, you, no, you go get your own cheerleaders. I've got to be your coach. Yeah. And you will be so grateful because the coach makes the hard calls, the calls that you may not want to hear and you may not want to do, but they do it because they can see the field, one, from a better advantage, and two, they've been doing this a lot longer. And so it's like a lot of times people hire, and I just want to really invite my listeners to hear this one. A lot of times we, we hire coaches because we want the results of a coach, but really deep down, we just want to be coddled by a cheerleader. Yeah. And if you find that your coach is more of a cheerleader, then maybe have a communication with them where, where you can open up and say, this is actually, I don't need a cheerleader because we're, we're just turning our wheels. I need a coach. And I'm going to add one more thing to this. I'm not a big fan when people write me and talk bad about their coach. Because the truth is their coach knows them more than I do. They see more than I do. And so they're probably making a better call than I will from a tiny little three-sentence Instagram message that somebody sent me. But they're like, they it's like they send it to me because they want me to talk bad about their coach. And I won't do it. Unless their coach is having them eat like a thousand calories or something great, right? I mean, there's a <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's a limit. Lord knows, I try not to say anything bad about other coaches either. But when it, when the first two lines are, is it good that my coach has me eating seven hundred fifty calories and doing hundred ninety <laughs> minutes of cardio a week? I'll probably say no. Your coach is probably insane no. and should be fired. Hire but, someone else. <laughs> um, yeah. But I do have a lot. Well, you know what it is? I think people just want confirmation that the path that they're on is the right path. And I think sometimes I've had, mm-hmm. I'm sure my clients have gone behind my back and gone to other coaches and said, is this right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to prescribe something I don't believe in. Like, I don't want to say that I'm never wrong because Lord knows I have been, but I'm not going to, like, I don't say anything unless I believe in it to be true. I don't mm-hmm. put anything out there that I, I think is going to be completely challenged and, dis, and, and, and discredited because I've done my research before I've said anything or done anything. So if you want to challenge me, good luck. I mean, go right ahead. I, I, I appreciate discourse. I love discourse. I, yeah. There's times where I get called a sexist and a misogynist online, and women sometimes get offended by the stuff I say. There was a, there was a post I made a couple of weeks ago, or probably a month ago now, where I said I, the, word, the way I worded it was satirical. It was, ladies, did you know that, they're, that they make dumbbells heavier than 10 pounds? And it wasn't to say that women are weak and it wasn't to say that women are stupid. It was to say that in a funny, sarcastic way, 
that I've been living in an industry where women are told that lightweight with high reps is how you tone. All three of those statements are untrue. Lightweight and high reps don't tone. Tone is not a real word. And if you keep believing this stuff, I'm going to keep calling you out on it. And it's not because men believe it. And the reason why I said ladies is because men want to go lift heavier because societal norms are that men are supposed to be strong. But societal norms state that women should be smaller and weaker and daintier. So if you want to adhere to societal norms, go right ahead. Go grab the pink dumbbells. Go to your, <laughs> go to your, go to your women's only class where you're coddled and told that it's going to be okay to lift light and to not be strong and to not sweat and to not be uncomfortable. But if you want the truth, come to my page. I'll tell you the truth. You may not like it, but I'm not here to be liked. I don't care. I'm here to help. And if it's, if it's a harsh pat on the, on the booty, that's going to do it to you. I'm happy I was there to do it, but don't ever by any stretch of the imagination, think that I'm a sexist or misogynist. It's because I understand that I'm speaking to a demographic that desperately is being lied to on a daily basis. There's no other demographic on earth that's being deceived more than the 35 to 55 year old female in this world, whether it's pink dumbbells, hit classes, row classes, cycling classes, pink powders, protein specific this and female specific oh, yeah. supplements. There's so much crap that is being fed to women because women are desperate because women are supposed to look a certain way and they fear that they're not going to be accepted by their peers or their loved ones. If they're not this shape that they're supposed to be, that this mythical creature that they're supposed to become, as opposed to just do the best that you can for your body and your lifestyle. Nobody other than you on this planet cares about your body fat percentage. I promise you that nobody on this earth knows how much you weigh. I do. I could probably guess to the pound when I look at somebody, but I've been doing this for 15 years, just like you have. Mm -hmm. So we care because we're trying to help you, but that's not the only measure of success. Your scale weight has nothing to do with your body composition. I had a woman the other day whose mm -hmm. doctor, she went in to get fitted for a Nuva ring for birth control. And they said that her BMI was too high and they gave her a pamphlet on how to lose weight. Um, wrong on so many levels, right? My BMI is 38, okay? I'm obese by American standards. And this is kind of why the obesity numbers in this country are a little skewed in the wrong direction. Like they could base it off of BMI, which is basically just the height divided by weight, which is so stupid because by that standard, I should be 160 pounds, which is what I was in high school um, as a small child. And now as a man at 210 <laughs> pounds, yeah, am I, am I heavy? Sure, I'm heavy because 85% of my body is water, bone, and muscle. 15% mm -hmm. of it is fat. That's fine. I'll, I'll take those numbers. But we don't have a health problem in our country because people are, people's BMI is 35 and they have 15% body fat. We have a health problem because people are under-muscled and overfed. So when women are being told that they're supposed to lift lighter, and lift more reps and feel a burn. And that's what's going to tone. It bothers me to my core because they're being deceived and they're being lied to. And this narrative just keeps getting driven down their throats. And then I'm then chastised for trying to break that narrative and to break and to introduce some new thinking into the world. But listen, it is, there's always going to be somebody who, who doesn't agree with you, which is fine. I'm here for it. I, I, I love it. If you want to challenge me, go right ahead, but don't ever question my integrity. Don't ever question my purpose because Lord knows I've spent more time than most people on this earth helping women get through and cut through some of this stuff. And just like you do, 
I take my work seriously. Mm-hmm. I, if it makes you feel better, I actually had a woman message me and tell me when I was talking about like, don't obsess about like, give up the pink dumbbells. I said pink dumbbells. <laughs> and she, she, um, I got a really awesome DM. She's like, you probably don't realize that, um, like you're anti-woman, but let me tell you why. And I'm like, wait, what? what? <laughs> wait, what? I literally have, I literally have a platform to empower women by stopping obsessing about being skinny, instead focusing on being strong. But not only that, like to flourish with the genetics that they've been given, to walk in the gym and say, that body type is beautiful and that body type is beautiful and my body type is beautiful and I'm going to make the best that I can with my canvas. And then I also teach mental and emotional health and I'm anti-woman? What? Because somebody was triggered. Somebody saw something on a day where they were feeling sensitive and triggered. And instead of, instead of using that trigger to find out what it is about themselves, that's not right. They were immediately going to attack you and make you the enemy because there's gotta be somebody else that's responsible for my problems. There has to be. Yeah. It's, it's hard to take ownership of our feelings. It really is. And it's hard to take ownership of nobody makes me feel this way. I, I create the stories in my mind. I create the narrative. That's hard because if you create the narrative, that means you can change it. Ooh, and that sounds like hard work. Yeah, that again, but that's, but that's effort. And that's, and that's looking inward. And God forbid we look inward for five minutes. That's a lot yeah, of work. Yeah, no. I have too much going yep, on today. Lindsay, I can't look inward. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, yeah. I, I can't remember a time in my adult life where I was offended by anything. Good for you. I'm still working through that one. <laughs> I mean, I, like, what, what but good can you, for you. But like, what words can you string together in a sentence or in a paragraph that would bother me? Like, what, what are you going to say? I'm short? Yeah, I know. It sucks. There's nothing I can do about it. I have <laughs> How fat tall up, are you? 5'8", which I guess is okay. average. You know, but like, do I wish I was 6'3"? Of course I do. You know, do I wish I was 300 pounds and just full of muscle? Absolutely. But I, I have to do the best I can with what I have. You know, it, it, my hands are small, right? I get made fun of, my buddies make fun of me for that, right? I, I, I have hair on parts of my body that I don't like. Like there's, there's, if I wanted to, I could stand in front of the mirror and pick myself apart. Like every woman does every single day she puts on a pair of clothes. Yep. I don't have the time for it. I don't care. I just don't care because nobody in my immediate stratosphere is sitting there and judging me for it. Just like nobody's judging you ladies. If somebody's out there, and they're saying something about your weight or they're saying something about your clo- how your clothes fit. It's more a reflection of the stuff that they're worried about themselves as opposed to you. Yeah. So if you're afraid of how you look when you go into a gym as a novice, nobody in there cares as much as you do. They probably don't know what they're doing either. So don't be mm-hmm. relegated to the cardio portion of the gym. I had a woman, I have a woman right now who's in the military. She's in Japan. And she's like, I, she was proud of herself because she finally got over like the fear of going into the men's section. I'm like, it's not the Mm -hmm. men's section. It's the weight section. It's not just for (laughs) men. There's no, there's no sex specific dumbbell that's ever been invented. You can pick it up just as much as I can. And if any women that are listening, that have had kids, remember yourself at the sink, 
holding a phone on the right side of your ear, holding your 40 pound toddler while washing dishes. If that wasn't heavy and you were able to do that, why are you training with 10 pound dumbbells? Mm -hmm. Why? Because somebody told you that it would burn and tone and sculpt? No. Mm -hmm. If you're capable of holding a child through its infancy up until the point it's a toddler and you can still pick them up every once in a while and you're deadlifting with a 10 pound dumbbell or you're squatting with a 10 pound dumbbell, you are wasting your energy and your breath. So follow somebody like Lindsay and learn how to lift weights. <laughs> but that, that's like actually one of my biggest pet peeves is when people are like, I built my glutes and then I watch, like they have videos on Instagram of build your glutes with this. And they have like 10 pound dumbbells in both hands. And I'm like, you did not build that. Yeah. That's genetics and probably uh, body fat uh, will accumulate there because of your genetics. Like that's, and that's not, I, I, here's another thing I want to talk about. I feel like women think that body fat is bad, but it's actually like one of the things that make, that can make a woman's body beautiful. Like when you strip down all of the body fat off of a woman, I feel like you take away her femininity in a lot of ways. And I'm somebody who I enjoy having a femininely fit body. Sure. But sometimes when I get too lean, I'm like, ah, I'm losing a little bit of my femininity. Like I want a little bit more body fat. It actually makes me look a little fuller, which actually gives a, I, I believe, a more beautiful, healthy look. Well, there's so, a, is that your dog? Just think about biology in general, right? Like think about body shape. A woman has wider hips than a man does for a reason, right? Because genetically women were, were disposed to be able to have children. So it stands to reason that a woman's hips are wider. If a woman's hips are wider, there should be some layers of skin and fat and muscle covering that area. So there's a reason why there's an hourglass shape, right? To some extent. Um, let's look at the extremes. Let's look at female bodybuilding when it gets to the absolute most extreme. When a woman, I, I forgot what the, the what the top division of female bodybuilding is, but it's let, let's say I think it's it's either female physique or body whatever the whatever the biggest category of a female bodybuilder is. They're typically on the most drugs. Um, they're yeah. typically the most muscular. They're typically the leanest and the most conditioned. What do they look like? They have the physique of a man. One hundred percent. I promise you that. No way, shape, or form, if you lift with 10-pound dumbbells or 30s or 90s or 120s, will you ever look like that woman does. That woman's no. number one intention is to look like that in the presence of a lot of work and a ton of anabolic steroids that you're oh, not totally. taking. And, and any woman in their right mind who sees a physique like that and is like, oh, my God, I'm afraid of lifting weights because that's what I'm going to turn into, it is the most unreasonable misguided thought you can ever have in your head. It's like saying that if I start driving my car like a race car driver, I'm going to all of a sudden start driving Formula One next week. Like, no, it's not going to happen. So if you understand female biology, and if you understand just biology in general, there are certain chemicals inside your system that make you who you are. And we can, obviously there's, we live in a very gray world now where there's a lot of loopholes and, 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 and dark tunnels that we can go down, which I don't want to, but there's still, biology is still real. It still exists. Yep. There's hormones, there's estrogen, there's testosterone, there's progesterone. And based on the composition of those chemicals, it dictates what the outcome is going to be. 
I was deficient in testosterone. I had a high level of estrogen. What did that mean for me? Fatigue, uh, accumulation of body fat, loss of muscle mass, depression. What happens to a woman on her cycle when her estrogen falls? Fatigue, depression, fluid buildup and retention, loss of drive, loss of interest in life. Like it's, it's not a, it's not a wonder that these things happen. Like just understand these chemical compounds and what they do on this most simplest, on the most simple level. And then understand that some body fat is an indication of health. Like if you look back at three, five, 600 years, the fattest people were the wealthiest people because they had the most access to <laughs> yeah. food. You know, the people that were serfs and the people that were slaves were the smallest, tiniest, scrawniest people because they didn't have access to nourishment whatsoever. So it's not like when you look at somebody who's 7% body fat or 5% body fat, that is not a healthy, thriving, sustained individual. That is somebody who is either severely, excuse me, one second. You got to sit down. Sit down, please. Sorry, she was trying to stand up. Um, that's not somebody who's a healthy individual. That's somebody who's either purposely trying to diet down for something, whether it's a contest prep or whether it's some type of reason, or it's somebody who's sick in some type of way. Look at what happens to cancer patients when they're undergoing treatment. They lose all their body fat. They lose all their muscle mass. They look like somebody who just left a, a concentration camp in Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. That's not a healthy place to be. So this idea of constantly trying to shrink yourself down, and that's why that's some obsession that you have of scale weight down, 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 skinnier, skinnier, skinnier. Fine. Good luck. At some point, you're just going to wither away and you're not going to be healthy. And it's going to impact hair, skin, and nails, mood, sleep, digestion, mm -hmm. sexual function, reproductive function, God forbid, if you're trying to conceive. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the first thing to go, right? What happens when a, a menorrhea, what happens when a woman starts to get too lean? She loses her period. Biology's way of saying you're not healthy enough to conceive. <laughs> exactly. We don't want to, we don't want to engage in this process in fear of you losing that child. So instead of the mother and the child both dying, we're just going to shut that off and we're not going to allow you to do it. Biology has fail-safes in place, and yet you're still trying to fight them. So mm -hmm. if, if you start to wrap your mind around these things rationally and logically, as opposed to emotionally and, dis and from despair, because you're trying to fit some societal standard, start to look around and understand some of these things and the relationships that they have with one another, because the body is this synergistic system that's supposed to work together not just body, but also mind. And when those two things start to work together in unison, then you can start to have a healthy relationship with food, a healthy relationship with your body image, which may never actually be healed because you may always be healing and that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, 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 it's a long road game to be played and, and you should be excited about playing it because you have the opportunity to do so for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's incredible. I love that. Um, and we do have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to worry about the fact that we eat too much. We have so much. <laughs> right. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. I am a huge history nerd. And I love studying history. And I'm like, never before in history have we had this problem <laughs> where we now have to worry about excess so much. So much. <laughs> Such a good point. It's... Well, look, the, at, look at look at so many other cultures in this world. Uh, you know, I have clients that have had business in India. And they'll tell you, you fly into New Delhi Airport and you start driving down the street in your car that's been hired for you by the business that you're going to consult with. And you're driving through poverty and you're seeing mothers emaciated holding 
children naked on the side of the road, standing in raw sewage, who look like they're literally just undergoing cancer treatment, who have no fat on their bones and no, no muscle. And they're literally dying in front of you while you're driving to some elaborate palace to go do your work. These are people that don't have access to food, that don't have the ability to overconsume. And during the pandemic, what was open? Every liquor store, every fast food joint, every massive retail store was still open to keep driving this level of overconsumption. And all you want to do is overconsume and then blame something like insulin resistance or blame something like thyroid health or blame something like, uh, you know, whatever, whatever other scapegoat you want to find that's, that's the reason for your problems, where in reality, having some restraint is not restrictive. Having some managed control is not the pinnacle of restriction. It's being aware and being mindful of your decisions and taking ownership of your decisions. And there's nothing disordered about that. If it becomes unhealthy, sure, it can spill over into that psychologically. Of course, we could all become obsessed with something and go overboard with anything. It's no different than drinking too much or doing too many drugs or whatever else. If there's compulsion is real. It, it can happen. Mm-hmm. But developing a, a reasonable expectation and a reasonable relationship with these types of things is the number one way to ensure sustainability and to ensure progress of some kind. I work. love that. Takes that work. Is, oh, that W word. It's hard. It's hard. Well, I've absolutely, I've loved having you on the podcast. I feel like you bring a level of... Um, just you bring a really good insight into the real problems and how we just, we really do. We find our comfort zone. We don't want to leave it. Uh, we want a quick fix. We don't want to change our lifestyle um, and our habits overall. But that in the end is the real work. That's the real work that needs to happen. And ask yourself this too, if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to find a reason is if what you're trying to undergo as far as a change is concerned, is it something that you'll be able to do for the rest of your life, right? Do you really understand the mechanism behind why something that you're doing is working or not? And become an actual active participant in your own change. Don't just become a spectator and start a diet because you heard somebody else started a diet and it worked for them. Understand things with context. Does that context actually apply to you? Like when it comes to intermittent fasting, right? You're talking about somebody who was struggling with intermittent fasting. Well, maybe somebody who wants to eat every four hours should not be a candidate for intermittent fasting. If you're somebody who enjoys yeah. breakfast, don't wait until noon to eat. If you're somebody who enjoys carbs, don't do the keto diet. If you're somebody who enjoys vegetables, don't do the carnivore diet. If you're somebody who enjoys meat, don't go vegan. Don't do things arbitrarily because you think that they're going to work. All you're doing is restricting feeding windows and restricting calories by way of eliminating food groups. That's not sustainable. Unless you are going to live that way for the rest of your life, you're probably going to eat those things and do those things at some point or another. So find something that's sustainable for you. Create a positive relationship with food and understand that there's no such thing as bad food. Right. I mean, we know that a salad is better than a Snickers bar, but you can both can coexist in the right type of a system. I like that. That is so true. Well, where can my where can my listeners find you? Most of my <laughs> insanity is found on four weeks to, at four <laughs> weeks to the beach. The number is four and two weeks to the beach on Instagram. Um, I have a website, but it's really more of a landing page. I have a podcast. It's called The Other 
space side, space lifestyle. And I co-host it with a friend of mine named Jimmy Nutrition. He's also a great account on Instagram to follow. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm mostly on Instagram because that seems to be where people like to yell at each other. And I like to be part of that conversation. So, uh, <laughs> I like yeah. to be, I like Stay to down. watch the yelling. I like to watch the yelling happen. I think it's kind of fun to watch. Like you brought up some, some accounts. I think it's always entertaining. Um, I made the mistake of posting research once and I was blocked by one of those accounts. And I thought that was so funny. I'm like, wow, real science based, aren't we? If we well, it's hear just, science. It's like anything else. What's the narrative? What are you trying to drive home? Like science has to be paid for by somebody. Yeah. You're, you're, I'm, I'm sure hey, you're, I'm sure I'm sure you don't have millions of dollars waiting to be spent on analyzing food data. <laughs> no. I feel like sometimes we obsess with who's right instead of what's right, and I think that that's the problem. Is when our egos come into the into play, it can be really hard. But yeah, I anyways, I don't want to I don't want to end on that note. I want to end on an exciting note. Okay, so <laughs> um I just want to invite my followers follow to or I don't like followers. That did you ever watch that show? Following, following the following. I, I like so crazy. I like talking about them as viewers. Um, the people that, that is the people so that much I, they're viewers. <laughs> You're viewing my content. I not, say listen. Yeah, listeners, viewers. <laughs> I say listeners. Yeah, I'm not the Messiah. Mm-hmm. I'm not leading you to the promised land. You're not one of my disciples. <laughs> <Don't fall. laughs> like down. No. Yeah. If you want to find out how to be a responsible adult, don't follow me anywhere. That's like, no, I'm I mean, horrible at adulting. I'm still trying but, to figure my life out. you can out. listen to me. Yeah, I've got some <laughs> stuff figured out. I mean, listen, the only thing I'm an expert at in this world is fitness and nutrition. Everything else, go find somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. It has been a joy to talk with you. I've really loved this discussion and I feel like my listeners will love you and really appreciate your take on, and I feel like it's a voice that needs to be heard in this industry. So thank you so much for the presence that you fill. I think that it's, it's really needed. I'm, I'm flattered you'd have me on. Um, it's always, it's always remarkable that people actually care what I have to say and, and ask me my opinion on stuff. It's, it's still surreal to me. And, uh, I, I I'm beyond flattered that you would even have me on. So I, I thank you. Thank you so much. Okay.